It's been something that I've just been really focusing on redirecting my life towards. Am I living out of my own perspective? Am I living out of what I see? Or am I continually joining to Holy Spirit's perspective in how do you see this? What are you saying? What are you doing? I'm sure a lot of you have heard this with the media kind of blowing up about it, but John MacArthur spoke against women in Beth Moore recently online. He was um, at a conference, and they were doing kind of like, the first thing that comes to your mind when we say a word. So they said, Beth Moore, and he said, go home. And he responded after saying, in no case... Um, that can be made biblically for a woman. There is no case in which it can be made biblically for a woman preacher, period, paragraph, and end of discussion. And another one of the pastors beside him said, oh, and she's also narcissistic. And after he said that, there was a thunderous applause. And then it called pastors from all over that started saying this wasn't right, this, you know, we, they started coming to her defense. And the thing that I love so much about it was she finally broke the silence. And she didn't name any names, but this is what she wrote on Twitter. She said, I did not surrender to the calling of a man when I was 18 years old. I surrendered to the calling of God. It never occurs to me for a second to not fulfill it, for I follow Jesus Christ and Jesus alone all the way home. And I will see his beautiful face and proclaim worthy is the lamb. I love how she put home in there. I will follow him all the way home. I'm not going home. I'm with Jesus. I love that. I think that's a clear example of what we face as Christians, you know, daily. People telling us what to do, what to say. This is, this is you know, there's religious standards and there's all of these things. But are we looking to man? Are we looking to what we feel or are we getting Holy Spirit's perspective? You know, human perspective will tell you you're not good enough. You've got to do more. You've got to be enough. You've got to try, strive, 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 right? And there's all these heavy burdens on us. But God's perspective says you're mine and I love you. And then out of that, you do. He doesn't look at your outward, but he looks at your heart. He's not judgmental and harsh. He's the God who beckons us closer. He deals with our pain, our shame, and our self-worth. He is love, and he's the pers- all the perspective that we need, right? So Adam and I went to a pastor's retreat, as you know, most of you, um, about two weeks ago now. And it was for all the Catch the Fire World pastors around the globe, and there was about 140 pastors there. And the main speaker was from New Zealand, and his name was Seth Seth. Seth Fawcett, and he was this really apostolic, anointed guy, like literally, he reminded me of the Mad Hatter, he was so wild, and it took three guys to hold him up, because the presence of God would come on him so heavy, and he would just be like, okay, okay, and then he would just touch us, and we would fly backwards, it was crazy, but the presence of God was so heavy on him, and he kept, basically kept going after, are you continually looking to you know, are you in the ground, in your churches, just making things work, making people happy? Are you getting Holy Spirit's perspective? Are you building something? Are you growing something? Are you partnering with the kingdom? Are you bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? Or are you just, you know, grinding, the daily grind, the, what do you call that? Uh, hustle. Hustle, hustle, hustle. 
He talked about things like taking the city. He talked about being a king. He's like, every plane I go on, I'm like, I am the king of this plane because I reign with Christ. He's like, and I always get upgrades. I'm like, huh. (laughs) But he even talked about how he was taking his city and how he called every church in his entire city and was like, what can we pray for you for? We're going to pray for you corporately. So he built relationship with every church in the city. And he went to the mayor and he called leaders of the city who weren't Christians and said, what can we pray for you? And then they began to get such favor that they started coming to Seth all the time. Like, can you pray for us for this? Can you pray for us for this? When you guys pray, something happens. It was really encouraging. And so what I took away from it the most was that it's so easy to get caught up in doing life that I lead with my emotions, right? I'm, you know, I'm tired or... I just got to get this done. That's a big one. I just got to get this done. So we're just head in, like, let's do this. And God's with us. But he's like, there's so much more. There's so much more that I want. Are you going to partner with my vision? Or are you going to live out your vision? All of this really reminds me of this big breakthrough I had in Iceland. So I went... It was my third school at school of ministry, and we went to Iceland. And I remember one night, they had, I'd been leading worship every night, and one night I was leading worship, and I closed my eyes, and I was just worshiping, and then I began to hear in my head, Amy, you're a good worship leader, but you're not quite good enough. And here there was this other woman there who trains worship leaders all over the world, and she was so incredible. And I look at her in the physical, and I'm like, of course I'm not good enough. Look at her, Right? And then I heard the words, you're a good mother, but you're just not good enough. And the enemy began to replay the times that I had yelled at my daughter, the times that I had lost it, and I felt like a failure. And so I agreed with that. And you're a good leader, Amy, but you're just not good enough. And I kept seeing all my failings till the point where here I am leading worship. I fall down onto my knees and I'm crying. And there were a few people who were like, more Lord. (laughs) No. And, and so this woman who raises up worship leaders all over the world came up onto the stage and she knelt down beside me and she says, what's going on? Because this is not of God. So I told her, I was like, Demetria, this is what's happening to me. And she said, well, Amy, what's the vision for your life? And I was like, I want to have like a dream center one day. She's like, that's not good enough. And I was like, oh. she's like, Amy, because what your vision is, is what you will become. It's where you're going to go. So you need to get vision. She's like, come back to me and come back and get Holy Spirit vision and come talk to me. And God began to just dismantle things because it was actually my third school of ministry and God had done so much in me. And I was kind of all that inward focused of getting the junk out, which was really healthy, but I hadn't got the outward vision for my life. What am I called to God? What is my normal with you? I needed that mindset shift, right? And I remember there was this moment, one of the last days in Iceland, there was this girl on my team and she had been like crazy bullied. She was from Sri Lanka and um, adopted to Dutch parents and she had really struggled all of her life. And I remember this moment where I was holding her in my arms and she was weeping and I was just stroking her back and I started weeping with her and all of my life, As most of you know, I was bullied really, really, really bad. And I'd always said, why me, God? Why? What's wrong with me, right? 
Why, why did this happen to me? You know, nobody liked me. I never had any real friends. What's wrong with me? And in that moment, Holy Spirit said, I allowed it so that you could love greater, Amy. And I started weeping and weeping. And I was just holding this girl. And he said, you would have never loved her like you do if you didn't go through that. So I allowed it so that you could love. And it was just like this crazy breakthrough moment and it began to flesh out that I want my whole entire life to be about helping people get their identity and knowing they're loved because I didn't know I was loved. And I began to pray, God, give me people to influence. Give me people to help know that they're your children and that's gonna be the vision for my life. And that began a building and something that I would build my life upon with Holy Spirit. God's perspective on our life changes everything. I love the verse that says in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. But here's the thing, right? Did Abraham believe at first? No. His outward circumstances screamed against believing it. I'm too old, there's no way, right? But then in Genesis 17, 15 through 19, it says, then God said to Abraham, regarding your wife, Sarai, her name will no longer be Sarai, for now her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will richly bless her, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings and nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground and laughed, to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought, and how could Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But the Lord replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son. You will name him Isaac, which is laughter, which I love. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants, an everlasting covenant. And then the Lord appeared again, and he said, this time next year you'll have a son, and that's when he began to believe. So, you know, what I love about it is there came a point where Abraham was like, I'm just going to believe what he says. And I remember Mary saying, you know, in a, that God does forget our sins. He does forget our folly because if you look in Hebrews, it says it was counted to him as righteousness, but it doesn't say he didn't believe at first. He just said, Abraham believed. That's what I love. Now, I'd love to say that I have this down pat and I'm totally a boss at getting heavenly perspective all the time, but I'm not. (laughs) I've, I've gotten a lot better. And so I think I was so rocked at, at the pastor's retreat about this stuff because I, it's, I realized I've gotten so much in that pastoral role of helping people all the time. It's almost like you're down in the trenches, but you're not seeing what's above. And God was just calling me like, come higher with me. Come see above. Come see what I'm seeing. And I was really encouraged. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, For who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to teach them? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. But the question, I think, is are we accessing it, right? So we all have it when we choose Christ and we're raised, you know, in baptism, we're raised to life with him. But it's like, are we choosing to access that part of ourselves? 
are we connecting to it monthly? Are we connecting to it weekly? Or are we continually daily renewing our minds? And I would like to say I'm always daily. But there are times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been so out of it, just going day by day, getting through the motions, having four kids, just getting them to bed at night, and then crashing. It's so easy to, in our flesh, just live that way. It does. We are in a battle. We are in a fight, right? So it is continually like, oh, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I connect to you. What are you saying? What are you doing? And it's so vital. I remember when I got to the pastor's retreat, you know, I was having a a great time the first day, and then the second day arrived, and all of a sudden I began to feel kind of sick to my stomach and down, and I began to notice certain things. I'm a very intuitive person, and I started to kind of feel like I'm an outsider. I don't really belong here. I never get out to CTF. Toronto very much. I hardly go to the conferences. I'm here. I feel kind of isolated out in Kitchener. And even though I knew tons of people and had good relationship with a lot of the pastors there, I was just kind of feeling that way. And, you know, there was a few pastors there who were kind of superstars. It just happens in big groups sometimes. And I was looking at them and just feeling, you know, God, will I ever be noticed and all of this stuff? And and I was just like, am I on the outside? And there was a few pastors out of the many that I tried to connect with, and it was just like, it's not happening. And there's one couple I tried with three times, and then I'm like, okay, awkward. I'm not going to try again. I give up. And I was just kind of struggling. And so we had a night meeting that night, and after worship and the message, we were all laying on the floor because we had been blasted by Seth, (laughs) Holy Spirit. And I remember sitting there, and then I started to feel sick to my stomach again, and all these feelings were going through my mind. So I'm like, i got to bring this to the light. I've got to deal with these feelings. And so I went to my two mentors who were there, and I said, okay, guys, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like an outsider. I'm just feeling like I can't break in. You know, this is all these things. And they said, Amy, you're the fourth person to tell us this today. They're like, you may be picking up on other things, so it's magnifying what you're already feeling. And they began to pray for me. And I felt some measure of peace. And then the next day at lunch, I just decided to open up to all the pastors that I was sitting with. And there was about a group of eight of us. And most of them were like heroes in the faith to me. And I just began to say, guys, this is actually how I've been feeling. And every single one of them opened up to me in vulnerability and shared stories. Where you look at them and you're like, how can you feel that way? How can you feel that way? How can you feel that way? And it rocked me. And that openness began to give me more breakthrough. And then that evening, the MC of the whole night just did a big thing where they called up any pastor who's feeling like an outsider. And they just began to do ministry. And for all of the brokenness, and, you know, I, I'm like, I was up on worship, and so I'm standing there, and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, and God was just ministering to me. And it was amazing just seeing that You know, so many of us feel these things. So many of us can easily access these feelings of, you know, the most unlikely of people who you think are on the inside don't even feel that way, right? We all feel these things, and it's just getting Holy Spirit's perspective and sometimes opening up in vulnerability so that we can share, then we can encourage each other. That's what we're meant to do. I remember... just being there and just beginning to 
feel God then pour into me and pour into me and pour into me and saying, I see you. I'm here with you. You're enough. And as I got his perspective, everything changed. Hmm. If we bury those feelings, you know, and we keep them to ourselves, without coming to the light, they begin to fester and grow, right? If we don't bring these thoughts, if we don't bring them to the light, bring them to Jesus, they can become strongholds in us. Are we so focused on the issue that we don't see what else is going on? In 1 John 4, 3, 3 through 6, it says, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore they will speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world will listen to them. But we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. There's so much pressure in our earthly system, right, to change our belief system so that we go with the status quo, so that we make the world happy. But we're not in the world, are we? The world would say you have to have the most talented worship team up here to be good enough, and you should pick the most talented worship leaders in your congregation. But God says pick the worshipers. It's not all about the talent. You know, talent and skill is good, but God's looking for the ones who are the heart of worship. The world tells us that we need to make everyone happy. But God says, you praise me even before your breakthrough. The world says it's about being noticed and being on the stage. It's about me, 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 looking out for number one. But heaven is about a body. It's about a servant's heart and a surrendered life. And... The crazy thing in all of this at the Pastors Retreat that I was sharing with my mentors is I said, the whole journey of my last few years has been, God, if I'm never seen, if I am never promoted, you are enough for me. If this is all I'm going to ever advance in the world or wherever I am in my sphere, you are enough for me. And I just keep surrendering to that again and again, especially when sometimes people super close to me are getting promoted, right? It's always like, oh, I kind of wanted that. Oh, Lord, again, you're enough for me. You're enough for me. You're enough for me. Over and over again in the Bible, God promotes men and women who had faith not in the outward circumstance, but in God, right? We look at David with the, you know, showing up, to, to the battlefield and seeing Goliath taunt the armies of God. And, you know, he's not even a soldier, but he's like, you're allowing this guy? You're allowing this guy to mock the living God? You know, and I, I, it just blows my mind that he would even go up against him with rocks. Like, it just, it's just like that's the kind of faith he had in the God that he knew. And I want to be that type of woman that I look at the outward circumstances and I say, but God, whoa, but God, God is moved by faith. We need to be a people of faith. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We're called to be ambassadors that bring heaven to earth. I want to talk a little bit about the spies going into the land. And, you know, God had promised them 
that they would get this amazing land and walk into the, his, the promises that he had for them. And they had just come out of slavery and all of this, right? So I want to read Numbers 13, 25 through 33. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses. Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This is their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed it was bountiful country. It was the land flowing with milk of honey. It was producing um, fruit. But people were living there were powerful and their towns were large and fortified. We saw giants there, descendants of Anak. The Amalekites lived in the, the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Am Amorites lived in the hill country. The Canaanites lived along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other man who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes and lives there. All the people we saw are huge. We saw giants, descendants of a neck. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought of us too. Too much, we give credit to the enemy all the time. The enemy's doing this to me. The enemy's doing that to me. But I always think about that, that only one-third of the angels fell. So two-thirds still are angels. Our God is a God of power, and we have authority over the enemy. We can go and take the land. Let's start really believing that we can move mountains, myself included. <laughs> He's looking for people who will believe what he says. At the pastor's retreat, they talked a lot about being apostolic, about seeing things from heaven's perspective and building with God what we want to see in our churches. And too much, we let the earthly circumstances become our culture. He challenged us to go back to our churches and take the cities like they did in Acts. Be the Abrahams, the Deborahs, and the Davids. And the thing, if you really think about it, Paul and Peter and the disciples were countercultural. They were going against the culture. You know, everyone was like, be silent, shut up, don't talk about this, right? And they're like, we are not, we're not trying to please men. They've experienced, they've tasted the glory, they've, they've encountered Jesus, and they can't deny who they are. They, they just have to, they just, like, literally, they get thrown out of the temples, and they get thrown out of the places, and the next day, they're back after beatings. They just, they're just like, no, we have to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is what we're called, even at the expense of their lives. Jesus meant more to them. I want to share a few little stories about things where God completely changed my perspective on things in my life, and it changed everything. I remember every single birthday I would cry and I was like kind of getting annoyed and my birthday would start to get close and I get really like emotional and I'm like, oh, I don't want my birthday to come again. And I remember walking downtown Toronto on my birthday and I was like, God, why do I feel like this every year on my birthday? And he says, because you associate your birthday with rejection. Because almost every year you went to a new school and you made no friends. So you had no party, you had no friends, 
And so you look at your birthday as a really bad thing. And so I was like, okay. So then the next year, I remember waking up in the morning on my birthday, and I felt that similar feeling, and I heard Holy Spirit say, as soon as I woke up, do you know, Amy, that every single day of your life, you have never been rejected? And I kind of, for a moment, was like, but, and then I was like, just like, it was like that Holy Spirit presence came on me, and I was like, whoa. He's like, I've loved you every single day. And it was just like this, whoa. And then the next year I woke up again and I was like emotional. And I was like, why am I feeling this way? And God's like, because you've never had friends to celebrate your birthday with. And so like Adam pulled it together and me and four of my friends went to go see Cirque du Soleil that night. And it was just like this healing of God healing and healing me in this you know, layer after layer, God going after it and, and being like, this is my perspective. You are loved. You are cherished. You are who I say you are, and you're going to believe it. I remember another time that really changed my life as I was at Freshwind, and the speaker said, lay on the floor, picture Jesus, and ask him to take you to the Father. So as I was laying there, and I saw Jesus take me to the Father, and his little girl, and I went and sat in God's lap. And all of a sudden, I started shaking and crying. And I was like this little girl. And I was like, please, please, God, please, God, don't make me go through being bullied. Please don't like make me. I don't want to go through it. Even though I'd actually already been through it. But it was like the trauma of my child. I was just like, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. I don't want to eat my lunch in the bathroom every day by myself. I'm so scared. And he started rubbing my back. And he said, he started singing over me, I am yours, you are mine, and we'll be together forever. And he kept singing it over me, rubbing my back. And I just said, I'm afraid. And he said to me, but Amy, you'll come forth as gold. And he kept saying that then over and over. But Amy, you'll come forth as gold. And he said, and when you ate your lunch in the bathroom, I ate lunch there with you too. And so the next day at Freshman, I go in and, and there was a, um, an afternoon session. I was thinking of skipping it because I was tired and I decided to stay. And the speaker had been speaking about stuff. And all of a sudden, in the middle of her message, she stopped and she said, to the girl who ate her lunch in the bathroom, I just want you to know that Jesus said he was in there in the bathroom eating lunch with you. And I'm like, ah! Huh. It just rocked me and it changed my perspective because God allowed me to be bullied. He didn't stop it. He didn't cause it. He's not the God that caused it, but he allowed it because he knew I'd come forth as gold and it rocked me. Hmm. Isabel Allen came a few weeks ago and she talked about being pruned and that again just wrecked me, you know? It was such a good message about... You know, are you getting human perspective on what you're going through or is God pruning you because he wants to make you more fruitful? And how, you know, sometimes if you don't prune something, it won't have longevity and it could produce so much more. And it was just like rocking me. And God was like, you know, I started to begin to see all these moments in my life where it's not like I did anything wrong, but God wanted to prune me. And I'm like, oh gosh, you pruned me. But that was pruning and I see the fruit now. Thank you, God, for pruning me. Huh. Hmm. connecting to God's perspective will literally change your life. In order to function with king kingdom perspective, we need to do life with Holy Spirit. We need to abide with him. I love this visual that Seth did 
at the pastor's retreat, he had someone come up who was Holy Spirit. And he's like, okay. And he's like, so Holy Spirit said, let's go. And he's like, okay. Or no, he said, let's go. And Holy Spirit was like, let's go this way. And he just kept going. And then he did another one where he's like, Holy Spirit was like, let's go. And Holy Spirit starts walking and you're just like, right? And it just hit me of like, am I letting Holy Spirit go ahead? Am I, am I getting ahead of him or am I connecting continually to his purposes for my life? Because he's, he's waiting and he's just beckoning us in, right? It's too easy to get caught up in using our human eyes instead of our spiritual eyes. And the key to this is that we need to renew our minds daily and connect to his perspective. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, his perfect and pleasing good will. Let's pray. <laughs> yeah. God, I thank you so much that you don't leave us as orphans, but that you want to have relationship with us, but not just any relationship, but a relationship of depth. God, I pray that whatever we're going through, whatever circumstances we're in, that we would begin to hear what you're saying. We would begin to see what you see that we would connect to your vision for our lives, that we would get your perspective, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would help us to know when to be vulnerable, to know the people who are our community, that we can share what we're going through and that they can bring life to us. Help us to connect to your thoughts. God, I pray that you would strengthen each of our minds, that you would still any voice that isn't of you. And Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to speak, that your thoughts inside of our head would become our normal.